Matthew chapter 14 this morning. Um, I want to take a look here this morning and compare uh, and contrast uh, what we see here at the end of chapter 14, uh, faith and the power and effect of faith, the Lord's response to the faith of people uh, that respond to him, and then uh, Steve, compare that to the Lord's correction of some hypocrites, those he labels uh, as hypocrites, uh, moving into chapter 15. There's a, there's a real stark contrast there. There's genuine faith and uh, in, in the, the powerful effect of that faith compared to something that is not at all genuine and uh, hypocrisy and, and the vanity, the, the lack of effect that God says hypocrisy has in people's lives. There's just a, a really nice opportunity to compare and contrast uh, these two things. And so we'll, Lord willing, we'll, we'll do just that this morning. Uh, would you stand if you're able to? I'd like to read here beginning this morning uh, in chapter 14. So we're in Matthew 14 beginning uh, in verse 34. We'll read uh, a ways down into chapter 15. Uh, here the Bible says, Matthew 14 in thir verse 34, when they were gone over, uh, they came into the land of Gennesaret. This would be uh, at the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, when they, when they came to knowledge of Christ, uh, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were what? Diseased. Uh, and he besought him, and, and besought him, forgive me, that... Uh, they might uh, only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made what? Perfectly whole. What a great miracle. What a great act of faith, a great miracle. Praise God. Now, chapter 15, verse 1. Then, then came Jesus, then came to Jesus, there we go, pray for the pastor, uh, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. Uh, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, uh, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Jesus called them hypocrites in verse seven. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah or Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this is a, a quote from Isaiah 29, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is what? Far from me. But in what? Vain they do worship me. Boy, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defile a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard these sayings? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind." 
And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth out into the belly, goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the drought. You understand. Uh, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the what, church? And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Uh, faith and hypocrisy this morning. Uh, the powerful effect of faith and the vanity of hypocrisy. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you this morning for these thy words. Lord, I thank you this morning for the power of your words. Lord, I thank you this morning that I can see the powerful effect of faith in Christ uh, here in your words today, but also in our lives today. Father, I thank you that I can also see the effect of hypocrisy, vanity, no lasting effect, no lasting effect. Lord, help us to get a hold of these things today. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd instruct us and encourage us this morning. Lord, help us to do business with you this morning as you may lay upon our hearts. And as we do, I pray that we'd know your grace to do that. And Lord, your comfort this morning. Father, there's many who have much on our hearts this morning. Help us, Lord, bring those things to you and to know comfort from you this morning. Father, help us to understand these thy words this morning and to take exactly what you would have us to take and to apply these things in our church and in our individual lives just exactly as you lead us. Lord, help me now. I need your help, and I pray for it. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you again for being here this morning. I want to just dive right in here this morning, back in chapter 14, verse 34, at the end of that chapter. Uh, so, uh, see verse 34 again. When they had gone over, uh, over Sea of Galilee, uh, they came uh, into the land of Gennesaret. This is a town on the northwest shore uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Art, if you look at some maps, old maps sometimes, you see Sea of Galilee is called Gennesaret or Gennesaret Lake or Lake Gennesaret or something like that. You'll see that uh, kind of alternative name for the Sea of Galilee. And it seems like that name comes from this town, uh, this, this place, Gennesaret, on the northwest shore of Sea of Galilee. So that's the setting uh, here. Uh, the scene, if, if you will. Now, I want you to see two things here in, in the next couple of verses. I want you to see the effect of genuine knowledge of the one true Christ, and I want you to see the effect of genuine faith uh, in the one true Christ. By the way, I'm saying one true Christ because there's false Christs out there, right? There's all kinds of churches teaching and preaching all kinds of Christ. But the Christ of the Bible, the, the Son of God, God the Son, that's the one who we're talking about, right? The one who died on the cross for us, the one who shed his blood, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the prophesied one, the one who went there and shed his blood for us that we might be forgiven and saved and know eternal life when we come to him with a humble, repentant faith. Aren't you thankful for him this morning? 
Church, aren't you thankful for him this morning? Praise God. Uh, praise God. See the effect here first of, of their knowledge, their, their true knowledge of the true Messiah, the true Christ. Uh, verse 35, when the men of that place, Genesaret, uh, had what? What does it say? Knowledge of him. When, when, the, when, they, when, the, when they came and they saw and they heard and uh, they had true knowledge of the true Christ, this must have been a joy for them. They didn't, they didn't reject knowledge of him. They didn't reject him. Uh, they, they evidently received him and, and came to knowledge of him. This implies a lot. Uh, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, Brother Art, they didn't just keep it to themselves. They didn't say, oh, this is good. Uh, we'll just run home and, and, and kind of keep it all to ourselves. There's a temptation sometimes, right? We, we just keep Christ all to ourselves. We need as much of him as there's enough of him to go around. Amen? Church, is there enough of Christ to go around? There is. <laughs> there, there is. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about. They, they, they wanted others to know about him. And, and they wanted others to benefit from this same genuine, true knowledge of the true Christ. They wanted, they wanted them to benefit uh, any way that Lord would see fit, including healing some. They, they understood that this Christ, the, the Son of God, God the Son, the Messiah, he had power to save. He also had power to heal physically uh, when he chose to. And so they sent out into all that country roundabout and brought unto him all that were diseased. Why did they do that? They had a great faith in Christ. They, they, they knew that if these, uh, who, they, who they could bring to him, would exercise the same faith in Christ that they had, that would have an effect. Uh, when you exercise faith in Christ, did that have an effect? Did that have an effect? You, you were saved, right? Your sins were forgiven, right? You, you were regenerated by the Spirit of God. You were made a new creature in Christ. Is that a good thing? You got some things to celebrate today? Church, amen? Some things to be excited about, some things to be thankful for. I know there's lots of trials in the world. I know there's, there's many threats and difficulties. By the way, there always has been, amen? And, and Brother Art, there always will be until the Lord returns. Now, nothing has changed that way. It will change. Uh, and, and, and we'll be there with him at, at his return. We praise God for that. Some things will change then. Uh, his enemies will be put down. Uh, we understand that. We, we have much to look forward to. Uh, these that came to knowledge of Christ, uh, their knowledge was not in vain. Uh, they, there was an effect of true knowledge of Christ. They, 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 they gained knowledge of Christ Again, there's a lot implied in that. Uh, and, and the effect it had of, of, of coming to the true Christ with true knowledge of him, uh, they wanted to go out there and, and get the word to others. And, and they didn't just trust that, you know, they send out invitations and, and that people would come. They went out there and, and gathered them up and brought them uh, unto him. Gary, I have jokes sometimes when we go out on Saturdays and invite people to church. We should just throw them in the car, lock them in there until Sunday morning, and quick drive them over here Sunday morning. We can't do that. Don't do that, by the way. Uh, praise God, Gary was able to drive himself to church today, though. I mean, that's, that's a miracle, right? This is a man who couldn't see like a year ago, right? A man who I met in the hospital a year ago, you couldn't see. I, I've joked many times if you're visiting this morning, I was glad he couldn't see me for the longest time. He had no idea what I looked like. And, you know, not being able to see me, we, we formed a good friendship, right? It's been compromised as your vision has improved, but no, it hasn't. Uh, <laughs> you have to look in the mirror also. Praise God, brother. 
Uh, their knowledge, it had an effect. They went out there and gathered up people and brought these people uh, to him, uh, and, and then Christ healed them. The, their, their knowledge of him, their coming, it was not in vain. Uh, it had an effect in their lives, and, and that effect in their lives compelled them to go out uh, and, 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 and find people and, and bring them to him. I understand this morning, Rich, that's the same thing that we're called to. Uh, we're, our, our faith is not in vain. It, it has an effect in our lives, but we have been called uh, by Christ in the, in the Great Commission. Uh, we'll get there in our study through Matthew to go out there uh, and, and take the same message, the same power, the same effect to others, exactly uh, what we see here this morning. So their knowledge of Christ had an effect. It was not in vain. They brought people to him, verse 36, and besought him, uh, that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Now, now imagine this. They, they, say, they say to these people that they've brought to Christ, listen, this is, this is the Son of God. This is the prophesied Messiah. Uh, if, if, if you'll just, uh, exercising faith, just, just touch the hem of his garment, uh, just, just that gentle touch of just the hem of his garment, there's such power uh, in the Messiah, such, such great effect in exercising faith in him uh, and his power, you'll be healed. You think they might have doubted that? There might have been a little temptation to doubt that, right? Uh, but no doubt they, they shared. I, I don't think the whole message they gave they shared is recorded here. I'm sure they shared who this Christ is. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they shared uh, something about the power and effect of faith in him, not, not in vain. Uh, and, and sure enough, they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and uh, second part of verse 36, as many as touched were made what? What does it say? What does it say? Kind of, sort of healed? Is that what it says? They were kind of, sort of made a little better. You know, they started to get a little better, Gary. It's going to take a long time. It says they were made perfectly whole, right? The Holy Spirit could have just could have just used the word whole, but the Holy Spirit uh, puts those both words there, perfectly, completely healed, uh, made perfectly, completely uh, whole. Is, is faith in Christ in vain or, or does it have great effect? It has great effect. It had great effect on that day for those that first came to knowledge of Christ. Uh, it, it, had the, it drove them to go out and gather up who they could. Uh, and it had a great effect on, on those diseased, those, those sick people uh, who, who, who needed a healing from Christ as well. And what clearly what's pictured is they came in faith and their faith was not vain. Uh, it had a great effect. Uh, our, I understand this morning that Lord can still heal people. We say this all the time, right? I understand this morning it's, it's not like the faith healers that demand that God will always heal and promise that he'll always do a perfect healing if he'll just come. It, it's not like that today. But I understand God can and does heal quite miraculously uh, when he chooses to. Here's an example right here. You just stay right there, okay? You're, you're too good of an example to, to not be right there, okay? You stay... You can go home between services, but then you'll be back here, okay? Uh, genuine faith in the one true Christ of Scripture, it has an effect. Has it had effect in your life? Praise God. Praise God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ at work in our lives. By the way, uh, turn back, if just back one chapter. Uh, back in chapter 13, look at verse 58 there, please. Just the end of the last chapter. Uh, we saw that episode um, at the people 
uh, of Nazareth, the, the lack of belief, the lack of faith uh, at the people of, of Nazareth there, it, it had consequences. Uh, there, this was the second time the people of Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, right, they had rejected him uh, for the second time. Their lack of faith also had an effect. Uh, chapter 13, verse 58, he did what? What does it say there? He did not many mighty works there. He did some, but not many mighty works there because of their what? Unbelief. Uh, unbelief has an effect, but it's not the kind of effect you want to see, right? It's, it's faith in Christ that saves. That's the key to forgiveness. It's faith in Christ that, it, that is key to seeing his power at work uh, in our lives. And, and, and praise God. Gary, it's, I, I say it's, it's our faith, but that faith itself comes from Christ, right? We yield the Spirit of God. He, he gives us faith, and we put it right back upon Christ. Uh, I understand the faith that I placed upon Christ the day I was saved as a 10-year-old in 1977. Does that seem like a thousand years ago, by the way? How, how long ago was that? Wow, 43 years ago, something like that. Uh, Lord, thank you for saving me. Are you thankful for your salvation this morning? Are you thankful? Boy, thank you, Lord. Uh, he did not many mighty works back there in, in Nazareth, the second uh, rejection of the people there, because of their unbelief. Mark says he could, he could there do no mighty works, uh, save he, he laid his hands upon a few uh, sick and, and healed them. And he, he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around the villages teaching. Lord, help us. There's a warning in, in Hebrews chapter 3, and you could turn there if you want, or you could just listen. Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, the book of Hebrews is written to believers. Amen? Uh, it's written to believers. Maryland, I think, primarily Jewish believers there in the first century. Brother right, Jewish believers. Uh, in, in the first century. The book is written to believers. There's a verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. May, maybe you know the verse. The writer of Hebrews, maybe it's Paul, it's God's words, says this. It's a warning to believers regarding faith. And I want you to hear this this morning, please. Please hear this verse. Hebrews 3 and verse 12 says, Take heed, pay attention for real. Take heed, brethren, believers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Wow. Uh, Brother Art, if that verse is in my Bible, evidently there's a risk of unbelief creeping into my heart. And evidently that has an effect. And I don't believe I can lose my salvation. Uh, it's sealed. It's secured by the Spirit of God. Nothing's going to undo what the Spirit of God has done once and for all. Amen. I have eternal life, and it's, it's Christ, the Spirit of God, uh, that, that have secured that for me. But evidently, I need to stand guard against an evil heart of unbelief, unbelief creeping into my heart and, and taking root, because that has an effect. Amen. It, it has an effect. And as, as we've looked through Scripture here, uh, and we, we see faith has a great effect. It saved me. Uh, as I exercise faith in Christ, he, he, he works in my life. By the way, I don't doubt for one second that, God is, that Lord Jesus Christ is working miraculously in my life every day. Do you doubt that for a second? Has he worked miraculously in your life? He has, right? Praise God for that. He is, and he will. But 
If, if you don't stand guard against unbelief creeping into your heart, uh, allowing the seed of unbelief to be planted in your heart, what happens if you don't, if you don't deal with that seed? It sprouts, right, uh, and it grows a little bit. If you don't deal with it uh, prayerfully and biblically, it grows and it grows and it crowds out any, any faith that, that you might still be exercising. Uh, what, what, what happens? Well, what I know happens in Scripture is when there's not faith and belief being exercised uh, in, in a believer's heart, the Lord chooses that there will be consequences. Brother Art, he dials down his blessings. As there, there's correction, right? Uh, the, the miraculous power of Christ. It's not that it's, it's turned off, but that, that I might experience less of that in my life as a consequence, as a chastening consequence of the unbelief that I chose to allow to take root in my heart to sprout and grow up and crowd out faith in my heart. That's a big deal, amen? Uh, that's a big deal. Is that something worth standing guard against? Is it, I mean, Lord help me, Lord, Lord help me. When, when, when there's unbelief, when there's doubts that come into my heart, there's something I can do about that, right? I, I can pray, I can get in the word of God, I can flee to a, a strong uh, believer uh, who, who I know. Uh, I, I can get with someone who can counsel me and, and pray for me. Uh, you know, if, if, if you'll deal with the Lord regarding the unbelief that's crept into your heart, he's, he's going to help you, amen? Uh, I, I can get into his words and, and let his words encourage my faith. I can think back, I can meditate on, on his words and what God has accomplished in my life and, and how faithful he's, he's been to me. I can pray, Lord, help me. Uh, Lord, you grab a hold of these thoughts, these, 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 these temptations to unbelief. You, you, you pull them up by the roots uh, and push them out of my heart. And Lord, you grow faith in my heart again and crowd out. You can do that, right? And, 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 and is there an effect? Does prayer, does prayer have an effect in your life? It's a good effect, right? Does the Word of God have an effect in your life? It, it's quick. It's powerful. It, it, it's alive. Praise God. Does getting with another believer who, who you trust uh, and, and getting their counsel and praying with them and letting them guide you into passages that, that can help you, does that have an effect? Boy, you better believe it does. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Help us to be encouraged at the power and effect of faith uh, in the life of a believer. It's, faith is never exercised in, in vain. Uh, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for faith. Help, Lord, grow my faith. Help me to stand guard against, against unbelief. Lord, Lord, please. And so I want to I move now into the next chapter and see uh, the effect of, of um, I'll get there, hypocrisy. Uh, hypocrisy is not genuine faith, amen? Uh, you, you see something in this passage that is, is anything but genuine faith. Uh, genuine faith begins where, church? Where does it begin? In the heart, right? That's, that's where it, it takes root. That's where it grows from. It, it begins in, in the heart. It's, it's really not an external. It will have an external effect, right? You know if, if someone has genuinely exercised faith in Christ, uh, there, there's a, a change of heart that will eventually work its way into external things. It'll be visible, right? We, we understand that. But Lord here deals with Pharisees who, uh, they're all caught up in external traditions that have nothing to do with the heart, nothing really to do with the word of God at all. Uh, you understand in the first century, the Pharisees, this, this Jewish sect, they were trusting more, Brother Art, in 
keeping the, the, the law to the letter, right? The dot in the I's, across the T's of, of keeping the law and making that really what they were trusting in rather than trusting in the Messiah who, who actually had come, right? Uh, they, they were trusting in their religious works rather than in the Messiah who had real power save them. And, and so they get caught up in all these vain uh, traditions. By the way, what does vain mean? What does it mean? Something that has no lasting effect, right? Uh, I've used the example many times over the years. Uh, we, the way we use the word vanity today is kind of a good way to, to illustrate the, the meaning. Uh, someone who's vain is very caught up with their what? Their looks, right? Uh, and that may be okay if you're young and very attractive, but what happens as time goes by, right? The clock keeps going and the, the, the calendar pages keep flipping, right? Uh, and the years go by. And, and what happens over time? I've got to be careful I don't look at anyone as I say this. <laughs> look over here. What happens over time is the, the looks change. We'll say it that way, right? The looks change, right? What, what, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> he turned to Gary. He said, brother, you're beautiful. Amen. Uh, in God's eyes. <laughs> Aren't you glad that we're, we're, uh, our, our great hope is resurrection bodies, perfected, will look exactly the way the Lord wants us to. We're beautiful in his eyes no matter what. Uh, our, we're looking forward to resurrection bodies, right? Wow. Can you even, wow, even imagine that. Um, Lord, thank you. Um, looks change over time, and, and what was beautiful in the world's eyes changes over time. Uh, youthful beauty is not retained. It does not have a lasting effect. It, it diminishes over time. Something that's vain has no lasting effect. Uh, it's like a vapor. It's here and, and then it's gone. Uh, it has no power uh, or lasting effect. And I see here that, that faith is not vain. It, it has, there's power. Uh, it has a lasting effect. It's because of Christ working uh, in response to our faith. I understand it's, it's not ultimately my faith. Or it's, it's the Lord working in response to my faith. But faith has uh, a lasting effect. It's, it's not vain. But trusting in the traditions of men and, and trusting in dotting the I's and crossing the T's, the letter of the law, it's vain. It has, it has no lasting, it has no power, let alone lasting power. It, it's vain. We see this here in, in this next passage. Jesus corrects the scribes and the Pharisees, this Jewish sect that was particularly known for their reliance upon traditions and keeping the law. Uh, by the way, it never had any power to save anyone. Amen. The Old Testament says the law is a schoolmaster, right? Its purpose is to show us that we're sinners who need a Savior, and that Savior is the long-prophesied Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. Praise God, we can. Uh, look here in uh, chapter 15, verse 1 again. Then came the scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why did the, the, thy disciples, Jesus, why do your disciples transgress the what? What's the next few words there? What does it say? Why do they transgress the traditions of the elders? Now listen, I'm not going to teach or preach this morning that traditions are all bad. Traditions can be very good uh, and, and important, but not when you allow tradition to crowd out uh, good theology or, or good doctrine or the way of salvation. <laughs> uh, why, why do thy disciples transgress 
the tradition of the elders, for they wash not their hands uh, when they eat bread. Steve, I understand that we should wash our hands when we eat, right? So no one's, this is, you're not going to go to this passage and say, hey, look, I don't have to wash my hands. But no, there's, there's an illustration here. Why do they transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands uh, when they eat bread. And they're, they're alluding to the, the Jewish tradition that you, you, you had to be very clean externally and that this was part of keeping the law. Uh, maybe it was a picture of holiness, that, that idea. But they believe that there was a power in this tradition, Brother Art, to actually make one holy, right? It was, it was a picture of that. But they, they really believe there was a power in these external things. Of course, there's not, but that, they had come to this belief. But why do they not wash their hands when they eat bread? Verse 3, but... Remember when, when you see but, you know, there's, that's a point of contrast. Something different is coming. Uh, but he answered and said unto them, uh, why? He turns it around to them and says, why do ye, remember ye is all of them, why do ye also transgress the what? What are the next three words? Commandment, Commandment of God. He said, listen, you're, you're accusing my disciples of transgressing the traditions of the elders but uh, while we're at it, why do all of you transgress the commandment of God? Uh, one of those things is weightier than the other, Brother Art. There's traditions, and then there's the word of God, right? Well, he says commandment, and so uh, he, sure enough, he is pointing to one of the literal commandments. Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God uh, by your tradition? And then Jesus uses a specific example in this passage of, of their violating the commandment of God. They, they've come to a place where they, they've come to rely more on their tradition of external things than on an honest, faithful keeping of, of the actual word of God. And the specific example he gives uh, is with respect to the command, the Exodus 20 command, to honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land. That's one of the commandments, right? Honor your, your father and mother, and the Lord associates a blessing with that, a, a long life. Well, evidently, uh, many of the scribes and Pharisees uh, had chosen to just ignore that command. They're all caught up in these external things, look good on the outside, but while at the same time ignoring what the word of God actually says. And Jesus calls them out specifically for ignoring the Lord's command to honor their parents. Uh, how? By, by supporting them. He says, you know what? Uh, many of you take your money that should be used to honor, uh, to support your parents in their old age, and you take it all and, and you give it to uh, the temple. You bring buckets of money. I think this is what he's saying. You bring buckets of money to the temple uh, and, and, and you give it to the temple. Uh, I think the implication is that, that many of them were taking money that should have been used to honor or to support their elderly parents. But instead, they were giving. Now, giving is certainly not wrong, but what's implied, Brother R., I think, is that they were giving all of this money to the temple, maybe to be seen, uh, maybe to garner some political favor for being big givers, uh, maybe to get business uh, contracts with or through the temple. Uh, may, they were looking to get some kind of secular benefit from their giving 
I think this is what's implied in this passage. Uh, rather than taking the portion that should have been used to honor their father and mother uh, to support them. Look, look here in verse 4. I think, I think that's the gist of, of what we see here. For God commanded, verse 4, saying, Honor thy father and, and mother, Exodus 20, verse 12, uh, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father and mother, It's a gift. Mom and dad, I can't support you because I gave this gift uh, to the temple. I'd love to be able to help you. I'd love to be able to uh, honor you according to the commandments by helping you in your old age financially, but I just can't do it because I gave it all away as a gift. Uh, but by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, just can't do it because I gave it away. And my excuse is it was a gift. What's well, just an excuse? By the way, you ever find yourself just making excuses when you know you're wrong? You ever find yourself making excuses for uh, breaking the word of God, uh, making a decision that clearly violates the word of God? Uh, Brother Art, there's, it's easy to make excuses. There's, it's easy to make excuses. I've said many times there's always an explanation for violating the word of God. There's always going to be an explanation, but there's never a valid excuse. Amen? You can always come up with an explanation. Mom, Dad, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you in accordance with Exodus 2012, but you know what? I, I gave all this money to the temple so that I could garner some political favor. They leave that part out. Verse 6, And honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. He's not teaching against tithing. He's not teaching against giving offerings. He's not teaching against... Uh, giving to the temple for temple service. He's not teaching against that. He's teaching against making an excuse for breaking, violating the word of God and allowing the tradition of giving the temple, the tradition to be an excuse for not heeding the word of God. Jesus calls them out for this. He calls them out for this external thing that they're doing to try to look all holy and righteous as, is, as in their hand washing rather than their private support of their parents in accordance with the word of God. He calls them out for this. This is just an example, understand. It's just an example that he's using to teach them their hypocrisy. Look at verse 7. He says, ye what? Hypocrites. Uh, ye hypocrites. By the way, the word underlying hypocrites comes from a Greek word that means to play a part as on a stage. That's a good definition. Uh, a hypocrite is someone who, who wants to be seen a certain way. They, they, they take up a script and act it out as on a stage before men. But uh, someone who's play acting on a stage, Gary, they're not really the, the person that they're playing, right? They're, they're really someone else, right? And this, this is what Lord says when he calls them hypocrites. He says, you're pretending outwardly, externally, to be super righteous people by you know, giving, but the reality is that you're not that at all. You're ignoring the commandment to do this thing over here privately uh, within your home. He says, you're hypocrites. You're, you're not exercising true faith, keeping the word of God. You're doing what you can to garner favor for you. Uh, you're hypocrites. He says, well did Isaiah uh, Isaiah, prophesy of you saying, this is Isaiah 29, 13, the people draweth nigh unto me with their what? Say certain things, 
uh, and honoreth me with their lips, but, but their heart is far from me. Uh, Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help us, Brother Art, to be people who do what we say and say what we mean and uh, don't have to play act, pretend to be super spiritual, obedient people, you know, looking all bright and shiny with clean hands on the outside, but hearts that are so far uh, from the Lord. Uh, by the way, if the Lord saw fit to put this passage uh, in this gospel and others as well, must be it's important, right? M must be that there is a, there is a temptation that believers experience uh, to pretend uh, to be very holy and, and, and righteous uh, before others, but in actuality, our hearts are very far away uh, from the Lord. Don't raise your hand this morning, but you know exactly what Jesus is talking about, right? We know exactly what he's talking about, right? Uh, we can be really far from the Lord in terms of how close our heart is to him, right? You, you can... You can go days or weeks without spending a moment in your Bible or not much at all time in your Bible or not much time in prayer, but then come into church and, and put on airs of righteousness and holiness, right? And listen, I, I know the moment I was saved, I, I was made righteous in the eyes of God the Father. I took that position because of the blood of Christ. But Rich, practically speaking, I had a lot of growing to do, right? And, and if I'm not careful, I don't grow I only occupy the position without the practical reality. The Lord has not called us to be play actors or pretenders. He's called us to be people whose hearts are genuinely given over to him, who are genuinely walking close with him. May I ask you a question this morning? Is that always easy to do? Is it always easy to genuinely walk closely with the Lord? It's not, right? It's not, and that's where church is so important, and, and, and that's where being encouraged by each other is so important. I put some reasons to be sure that we're attending church in person in an email uh, yesterday, the day before, I forget, and, and one of the things I included was we need to be here to encourage each other. Uh, you need to be here to be encouraged. You need to be here so that you can encourage others, and I know there's some ways we can do that outside of church, and certainly we should, but... Uh, when, when you're here on Sunday morning and, and you're encouraged in the Word of God as we assemble together in the presence of God and, and you take time before and after service to encourage each other, that's, that's different, right? It's, there's, there's just a, there's a power in, in being here and, and being able to encourage each other. Uh, praise God for that. We, we need that so that we can be, stay genuinely close and be genuinely growing. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be people of prayer. And if we're convicted that we've been more play-acting than... Then, then reality, we need to get honest with the Lord about that and confess that, right? Lord, I, I, I confess I, I've been putting on airs more than is reality, and, and certainly, Lord, you know that. Lord, help me to repent of that. Help me to you know, take off the costume and deal with you where I am, where you find me. Uh, and, and Lord, help, help me to uh, confess that play acting, uh, pretending, and Lord, be honest with you about where I am, and, and Lord, ask you uh, to help 
me. To draw, Lord, draw me back into a close relationship with you. Lord, help me to become a person of prayer again. Lord, help me to be a person who spends time in your word again, not just reading, but studying and digging and uh, chewing on, on your words and, and, and growing again. If you water a plant, it grows, right? But Brother Art, if you take away what it needs to grow, it kind of withers and dies, right? We, we need uh, church. We need prayer. We need the word of God. We need to be encouraged by each other or else the reality is we end up play-acting a lot more than should be the case. Um, Jesus taught in verse 9 that their hypocrisy uh, was not without consequence. Genuine faith had a great consequence. We saw that. Genuine hypocrisy also has a consequence, and it's not good. It's not good. Look at verse 9 with me, please. Jesus said, these hypocrites, he said of them, he said, but in what? But in what? Verse 9. Vain. Vain. That thing that's here, the thing that doesn't have lasting effect, the thing that's not real. But in vain, these hypocrites, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He said their worship was vain. Their lives that were built on falsehood and, and hypocrisy and tradition more than the word of God. Jesus says, they worship me in vain. There's, there's no power, there's no effect in their worship of me because I think his impl the implication is they don't even genuinely know him. They, they've trusted the keeping of their traditions and the keeping of the law and all the traditions that they had heaped upon top of the law, the way they observed the law. They were trusting in their religious choices, their religious choices, their religious obedience for their what? For their very salvation, Brother Art. And, and, and so it, these are essentially lost people, very religious people. But I think the implication is they're lost people. As religious as they are, they've been trusting in tradition and, and religion rather than uh, drawing close to Christ and exercising a humble, repentant faith in him uh, for salvation. They're, they're, it's just hypocrisy. It's just falsehood. It's just play acting. And so their very worship is vain. It has no lasting effect. It has no, no power. That's not a good thing. That's a very ugly uh, picture. I praise God this morning that um, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you genuinely know him, your worship is not in vain. Amen? It's not in vain. It pleases him. Uh, it pleases him. Uh, he's made known to others. It's, just, it's, it's not in vain. But I understand also, I think there's an implication here that uh, if, if I have become more like these, these hypocritical uh, scribes and Pharisees, that's going to affect my walk with the Lord, Brother Art, and it's going to affect my worship of him. Lord, help me to confess that, to repent of that. Lord, you give me grace to forsake that, that my walk with you not be affected, that my worship uh, of you uh, not be affected. Look just a little bit further, please, with me here. Uh, verse 10, he called the multitude and said unto them, uh, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the man, this defileth him. He says, listen, you're so concerned that you're going to eat germs, and they're going to, I understand that was a real concern, but he, he wants them to understand that rather than, again, just being looking right on the outside, 
Uh, they should be more concerned with what comes out of their mouth than what goes into their mouth because what comes out of their mouth comes from the heart. And again, he's, he's trying to drive their attention back to their hearts rather than to all of these external concerns. Verse 12, then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou the Pharisees were offended uh, after they heard this saying? You know what, I understand people are offended sometimes when they hear truth. Were you ever offended when, when you, you heard a Bible truth that stepped on your toes, that just hit a little too close to you? Were you ever offended by that? I, I, I can remember such a time, some of you are shaking your heads. That it, that's our natural temptation, right? Some Bible truth, and you can see it there. You know it's true. You know it's God's words, but boy, it steps on your toes because your choices have not yet been aligned to that part of God's word, and so you're tempted to be offended. You can't say that to me. What, what right do you have to say that to me? What right do you have to judge me? All the things that we say uh, when we're offended. Lord, help us not be offended by you or by your words, but when someone shares or, or when I read a truth, uh, from your word that, that points to a standard uh, of living in my life. Help me not to be offended, Lord, but, but to be quick to agree with you, quick to confess, Lord, uh, I'm not there. Uh, I recognize there's, there's some space, there's some light between uh, my life in that area and, and what you have called me to in that area. Lord, I confess that. I agree with you. Would you give me grace uh, to help align my life with your words in that area. And, you know, it could be any number of things. We could start rattling off examples, dress or giving or service or what, whatever it is, so many different things that we're tempted to be offended by. But we do better just to confess and say, Lord, help me. Help me to line up my life with your words. I know that'll please you. I know that'll bring you honor and glory. And I know you'll bless me. Uh, for that. Brother Art, the blessings of God are a good thing. Amen. He pours them into our lives and our obedience. Um, Jesus was not concerned with their offense. Um, he says that, verse 13 and 14. He's more concerned with the truth, more concerned with their salvation. And we'll, we'll end here in just quickly looking at the, the balance of 15, uh, 16 through 20. Uh, Peter you know, he's struggling a little bit with some of this. He maybe doesn't quite understand it. And so he asks the Lord to clarify. Uh, you know, Lord, teach us a little bit more. Give us a parable. Help us understand some of these things that you've been saying here. Um, Brother Art, if, if you're the Lord Jesus Christ here, It's hard to imagine how he could not be frustrated with the disciples at times, right? But he is God the Son. <laughs> he's patient. Uh, he's, he's very Christ-like, isn't he? That's because he's Christ. He's very patient and he's very gracious. He, he receives the question and he offers a little more teaching for them and for us. And uh, I praise God for his understanding of when we don't understand and his his grace in addressing difficulties in Scripture different ways at different times. Peter answered and said, I'm declaring this parable. Jesus said, are you yet without understanding? Yes, Lord. <laughs> Verse 17, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth the mouth goeth into the belly is cast out in the drought. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And it's what's in the heart that defiles a man, not the dirt on his hands. It's, 
It's what's in a man's heart, sin in his heart, that might defile him before the Lord. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders. Murder doesn't just happen. It begins with hate and heart, adulteries. Adultery doesn't just happen. It begins with a lustful desire and heart, fornication, thefts. We don't just steal suddenly. It comes from a dissatisfaction with God's provision, uh, a lie, maybe some concern that prideful concern that I'd be found out or I'll look bad if I don't lie, blasphemies. These are heart problems. They are rooted in, they begin in the heart. Jesus says, verse 20, we're done. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Uh, Praise God, the Lord was not frustrated with, after all this teaching, a question. He graciously taught his people with his words. Are you thankful this morning for the words of God? Yeah. Praise God. What a privilege to have them, Brother Steve. What what an amazing privilege to have the words of God uh, translated so wonderfully accurately in our our King James Bible. I just, I marvel uh, and I'm thankful. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, we do thank you this morning for your words. Thank you for preserving them. Thank you for Wonderful translation we have, accurate translation in our King James Bible. Lord, we're grateful. Father, I thank you this morning for the power and effect of faith. I thank you this morning that any one of us who has exercised a humble, repentant faith in Christ is saved. Saved from hell, forgiven, made new creatures in in Christ by him and through him. Indwelt by the Spirit of God. Our salvation sealed by thy spirit. Lord, thank you so very much. Father, if there's someone here this morning who's never made that decision uh, to come to Christ for salvation, for forgiveness, I pray, Lord, this morning that you you just convict that person, give them faith to put right back upon Christ and the cross, the payment that he made for sin, our sin upon the cross. Lord, help that person to just say, Father, I understand I'm a sinner and I understand Jesus died to pay the price for my sin. As best I understand this morning, I place my faith in Christ. Lord, for our believers here this morning, I pray, Father, that we take seriously your concern with our hypocrisy. Lord, we understand this morning that we are tempted to pretend that we're more holy practically than we are. Lord, that our hearts are in a better place than they actually are. Lord, you see that. You know that. Father, I understand that this hypocrisy is its false obedience. In a way, it's a false faith. Lord, that compromises your blessings in our lives. It compromises our relationship with you. It has consequences. And so, Lord, this morning I pray if we're, if we're convicted about hypocrisy in our hearts and our lives, Lord, that you'd give us grace to simply confess that this morning. And, Lord, that you'd give us grace to forsake it, to put off the hypocrisy, uh, to put on right hearts before you. Uh, Lord, to desire you and your words and obedience. Lord, to desire to put off disobedience and uh, grace from you to put on obedience. And 
whatever area of our life you may be dealing with us this morning. Lord, I pray this morning that you search our hearts. Show us where we stand before you. If our hearts are not right this morning, Lord, show us that. Give us hearts to confess that, to agree. Lord, to seek your grace to get right with you this morning. And Lord, when we do, as we do, I pray that you would pour out a blessing of comfort and joy and peace into those same hearts this morning. Give you a moment to pray and do business with the Lord. We'll close with a song in just a moment. Father, I'm reminded this morning that you chose David in part because of his heart, his heart for you. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd give us all hearts for you. Lord, a desire to live for you, a desire to be yielded to you. Lord, a desire to walk closely, closely with you each day. Lord, a desire to grow in our faith, in our walk with you. Father, thank you so much this morning for your grace. You don't abandon us because of our failures. You're a gracious God who's merciful. Meet us where we are and provide grace to grow on from there. And Lord, I thank you again for that this morning. I am grateful. Father, thank you for each one who's come out this morning. I'm encouraged at the obedience, the faithfulness of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that you bless them, that you bless them for their obedience to you. Father, we do pray again this morning for people who are still in Afghanistan, for families that have been greatly affected by the situation there. We do pray for wisdom of our leaders. Lord, we pray again this morning for people on the Gulf Coast. We pray your protection. Lord, most importantly, I pray this morning that in each of those trials, you would work and accomplish your good purposes. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you. Lord, thank you for our church. We're grateful. Lord, I thank you for sustaining this church and, and for bringing visitors into it. Lord, we've prayed for visitors and you've brought them. I pray, Lord, that you help us to minister to each one, to be an encouragement to each one. Have your hand upon them, please. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here uh, today. Lord willing, we'll be back tonight at 6. Invite and encourage you to be here if you possibly can. Zach, you'll be here, right? Lord willing. Okay. Thanks for being here.